is the day. Oh, you ready, Kevin? I'm sorry. 571, this is the day, and what a beautiful day it is. See everybody's faces back. You know, we're blessed. We ain't lost one. We are blessed. I'm glad you do, too. I hear you. It's okay. Go ahead. 571. This is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made, that the Lord has made. I will rejoice, I will rejoice and be glad in it, and be glad in it. For this is the day that the Lord has made, I will
534, is that what it is? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Thank you. 
This morning are in 2 Samuel chapter 19. According to. So. Well, I can get in the right chapter. I'm in 2 I'm in Second Kings. I better get in 2 Samuel. for prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning with just the most gracious hearts. We humble ourselves before you, Lord, and give you thanks for the healing power that you bestowed on this congregation. Father, your protection, there's no doubt in our mind where our protection comes from and your protection that has been around this church. Lord, we just ask that you continue to pour out the blood of Jesus over this church in that protection. Lord, then just, just keep us protect us and guide us and direct us Lord as we love each and every one of each other Lord but most of all we love you we just raise this this church up before you Lord ask you to continue to be what you let us be what you would have us be Lord you know each and every prayer request that's on our our list this morning and there's some Lord that we don't even know about but you do we just ask that you would continue to work your mercy and your grace and take care of your people these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Second Samuel chapter 19. Second Samuel chapter 19. 
Oh, this is a pretty picture that's painted here for us this morning. Verse 1, And Joab was, to was told, Behold, the king is weeping and mourning for Absalom. So the victory that day was turned into mourning for all people. For the people heard it, for the people heard it said that day, The king is grieved for his son. Now, isn't that, a, I mean, isn't that a natural thing? Absalom was a rotten, sorry <laughs> son. But he's still David's flesh. And just as, as much for his fleshly grieving for his, the loss of his son, I think he was grieving spiritually for his son. Don't we grieve spiritually for our kindred that we know are apart from God? I believe that's what's taking place right here. Verse 3, And the people stole back into the city that day as people who are ashamed steal away from the when they flee in battle. In other words, they went and hid and got in the nooks and crannies and stayed out of sight. But the king covered his face, and the king cried out with a loud voice, Oh, my son Absalom, oh, my son Absalom, my son, my son. Then Joab came into the house to the king and said, Today you have disgraced all your servants who today have, ser have saved your, your life, the lives of your sons and daughters, the lives of your wives, and the lives of your concubines. Now, I don't know if you've picked up on this, but oh, Joab's got a pretty hard heart. This is not the first time we've seen this, this out of Joab. And the only way for a person like Joab to get softened is by God. God is the only way and the only one who, who can take somebody who is so hard and I know you, you know some of those people. You've been around some of those people. You think, man, that, is a, that joker is a hard sucker. But I, I want you to know that, that only God can soften a person, and he will, and it is a beautiful thing to see if you had never witnessed it. He can take the most calloused and hard, rock-hard person and soften them and make, it, make them into the most kind and loving. And it, it's, it's, I'm telling you, it's, it's a living miracle before your eyes. Those of you who, who remember Mr. Orby McMahon, was that a good example of that? I was thinking about him this week. In fact, I've told stories to Felicia all week. I think I told a story to Carrie and Lisa this week about Orby McMahon. Well, I don't know about you, but he's probably the greatest example in my life that I can remember. A pretty tough cat. That God just softened and made the most loving and kind. He'd give you anything, wouldn't he? He'd do anything for you. Now, you knew that that old, that old shell was still there. But when you got down to the inside, he was a changed man. He was a changed man. 
A changed man that only God could change. That's, that's, the, that's what we see here in Joab. Joab needs a, a, a miraculous touch. <coughs> Excuse me. It comes and goes. Touch from God to soften him into what he needs to be. Verse 6. In, I'm going to back up and catch five again because they go together. Then Joab came into the house of the king and said, Today you have disgraced all your servants who today have saved your life, the lives of your sons and daughters, the lives of your wives, and the lives of your concubines, in that you love your enemies and hate your friends. Now, Joab is, is trying to rebuke him here a little bit. Okay? For you have declared today that you regard neither princes nor servants for today I perceive that if Absalom had lived and all of us have died today, then it would have pleased you well. He said, he said you need, there's something wrong with you. You care more about Absalom who was after you and trying to kill you than you do all these people who have followed you and served you. What's, he said, what's your problem? He said, Joab's trying, trying to rebuke him here a little bit. He says there in verse 7, Now therefore arise and go out and speak comfort to your servants. For I swear by the Lord, if you do not go out, not one will stay with you this night. And that will, that will be worse for you than all the evil that has befallen you from your youth until now. He said, I'm going to tell you something. If all these people decide they're not going to follow you, that's going to be worse than anything you've ever experienced. I can see David sit over and go, boy, if you only knew. Because you see, you got to look at the attitudes of their heart, David and Joab. And you got to think about what God honors in those attitudes. From what I read, God doesn't honor the kind of attitudes that Joab has right now. And what Joab doesn't realize is what he sees as the outward things and what's happening with David is because of the work that God's done in David's heart to get him to this point. Joab perceives David as being weak now. When he ain't weak at all. He's transformed. A lifelong transformation has taken place in, in, in David. Just the same kind of lifelong transformation. I alluded to this last week. The same kind of transfer, transformation that's got to take place in you and me. The same that took place in Orby McMahon. You see, when God gets a hold of you and starts controlling your life, you can't help but get soft. You say, well, sometimes it's not good to be soft. Oh, no, that's the right kind of soft. That's the right kind of soft. The same kind of, of uh, mercy and, and grace that Jesus showed us. That's the characteristics we're seeing. We're not seeing the characteristics of a weak man. We're seeing the characteristics of a godly man. A man that ha who has resolved to let God fight his battles. That doesn't have to be hard and calloused and cruel and, and swift with the sword. 
but one who has humbled himself and realizes that, that God is sovereign over his life and controls his destiny, and that if he walks responsible to him, he will be delivered. That's what we're seeing. That's what we're supposed to be. Verse 8, Then the king arose and sat in the gate. And they told all the people, saying, There is the king sitting in the gate. So all the people came before the king, for every one of Israel had fled to his tent. Now, so they saw David move, and they're like, hmm, well, what's going on here? They come out to look. You know any of those lookers? I know a few lookers. Now all the people, in verse 9, <coughs> were in, <coughs> in a dispute throughout all the tribes of Israel, saying, The king saved us from the hand of our enemies, he delivered us from the hand of the Philistines, and now he has fled from the land because of Absalom. But Absalom, whom we anointed over us, has died in battle. Now, therefore, why do you say nothing about bringing back the king? Now, are they confused? There ain't no more confused than we are. Right here, Israel is a perfect picture of us. If we're not careful, anytime the wind blows, we change directions. Don't we? We're so quick to change directions instead of getting on our falling on our knees before God and seeking Him and being patient and waiting on Him to give us direction. You can go back through through the ages and watch Israel. They'll go this way a while, then they'll go this way a while. Oh, they may turn around and go back this way a while, and then then they come back again. You say, oh, poor Israel. No, that's us. It's us. It's a picture of us. Because, because our, our own nature, we, we think we know a little something. We think we have a little bit of smarts. We think we have a little bit of experience. When what we really need to have is a little bit of patience. And a whole lot of waiting on God. And a whole lot of faith. Amen. Faith that, that He will lead us in His perfect time. Which may mean you're going to be waiting a while. A lot of times for me that means I'm waiting a whole long time. Thinking He's not hearing and He's not seeing. And He's forgotten. When all the while he's probably sitting up there chuckling, going, Stupid Scott. When you gonna learn? When you gonna learn? Again, nine. Now all the people were in dispute throughout all the tribes of Israel, saying, The king saved us from the hand of our enemies, he delivered us from the hand of the Philistines, and now he has fled from the land because of Absalom. But Absalom, whom we anointed over us, has died in battle. Now therefore, why do you you say nothing about bringing back the king. So King David sent to Zadok and Abathar the priest, saying, Speak to the elders of Judah, saying, Why are you the last to bring the king back to his house? Since the words of all Israel have come to the king to his very house. You are my brethren. You are my bone and flesh. Why then are you the last to bring back the king? Judah's sitting back over skeptical. 
They're like, we're going, we're just gonna see how this this turns out. You know any of those? Don't that don't that don't want to get on the side, the right side or the wrong side. They want to wait and 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 see which side that is, and then jump on ship. So that's what that's what they've been doing. They're sitting back, saying, "We're gonna see how they receive David back into the into the kingdom before we take sides here." How are we supposed to react if, if we're in that situation? We're supposed to be responsible to what God has taught us. We're supposed to make decisions and, and be responsible to the, to the attitudes and principles that God, we know without a shadow of a doubt, that God condones and, and, and blesses, and that's where we stand. Let me tell you something. When you, when you get in a situation and you, you have this choice, do I go here or do I go here, it's always very clear. Because what you do is you get over there and you line up godly principles. Okay, is this, this group, here's what they're saying and here's what they're doing. Here's this group over here and here's what they're saying. And, well, I, line it up. Who, who is living and, and acting and being responsible to the precepts that God has laid out in His Word? I'm going to tell you something. If you dig hard enough, you'll find it. You, you'll be able, you'll be, ooh, I don't like that attitude. Mm. That doesn't sound, mm. that doesn't sound right. I'm telling you, you can line up, you can start dissecting instances and situations and with groups of people, and you can, you can pretty quickly decide who's being responsible to God and who's not. Both sides may be a little off. But you've you got to decide to go with the one that's most right at that point and try to help change it. But Judah's sitting back over here going, we're going we're gonna to see how they receive him before we decide which side we're going to be on. Because I can't you hear them? I don't want, if, if this doesn't go good, we don't want to be on the wrong side of the track here. Know any of those? Well, i got news for you. As God's people, you got to be on God's side no, no matter how ugly it gets. You won't have a choice, and I'm going to tell you, if you're really God's uh, saved by God and, and, and are His, you can try to go get on that other side, but you're going to come out. You ain't going to stay. He ain't going to let you stay. Just like a backslidden, falling away Christian who's truly been saved cannot stay there. At some point, at some point it's going to get so miserable and, and and so bad that that their eye the scales are going to be removed and they're going they're going to start coming back. It ain't going to be it's not going it's going to be painful. It's going to be painful. Every time I trip and fall and get my spanking from God, it, it's never nice. It's never nice. But that's what's going on with Judah. They're, they're, trying to, they're trying to play favorites here and, and, and see what takes place. Let's see. Uh, verse 11. So King David sent to Zadok and Abathar the priest, saying, Speak to the elders of Judah, saying, Why are you the, why are you the last to bring uh, the king back to his house, since the words of Israel have come to the king in this very house? You are my brethren, you are my bone and my flesh. Why are you the last to bring 
Move back, bring back the king. And say to Amasa, are you not my bone and flesh? God do so to me, and more also, if you are not commander of the army before me continually in place of Joab. You think David doesn't see what Joab is? You think David doesn't have spiritual discernment right here with Joab? Just like you and I have spiritual discernment, don't you? Then the king returned and came to the Jordan. And Judah came to Gilgal to meet the king, to escort the king across the Jordan. So they wisened up, didn't they? Did I? Okay, my bad. Verse 14, uh, listen, you'll be lucky if I don't miss five or six. This morning I'm struggling with my eyes. Just keep me on track. Just keep me on track. I need all the help I can get. Okay, I'm going to back up to 13. That way I get 14 right. And say to Amasa, are you not my bone and my flesh? Go, uh, God's, God do so to me and more also, if you are not commander of the army before me continually in the place of Joab. So he swayed the hearts of all the men of Judah just as the heart of, of one man, so that they sent this word to the king, return you and all your servants. It was an important one, wasn't it? They're all important. Verse 15, Then the king returned and came to the Jordan, and Judah came to Gilgal to meet the king, to escort the king across the Jordan. And Shimea, the son of Gera, a Benjamite, who was from Burim, hurried and, and came down with the men of Judah to meet the king David. There were a thousand men of Benjamin with him. And Ziba, the, the servant of the house of Saul, and his fifteen sons and his twenty servants with him, and they went over the Jordan before the king. Then a ferry boat went across to carry over the king's household and to do what he thought good. Now Shimea the son of Gera fell down before the king when he, when he had crossed the Jordan. I, I want you to pay close attention to these next several verses. Now Shimea the son of Gera fell down before the king when he had crossed the Jordan. Then he said to the king, Do not let my lord impute iniquity to me, or remember what wrong your servant did on the day that my lord the king left Jerusalem, that the king should take it to heart. For I, your servant, know that I have sinned. Therefore here I am, the first to come today of all the house of Joseph to go down to meet my lord the king. But Abishai the son of Zerah answered and said, Shall not Shimea be put to death for this because he cursed the Lord's anointed? And David said, What have I to do with you, you sons of Zerah, that you should be adversaries to me today? Shall any man be put to death today in Israel? For do I not know that today I am king over Israel? Therefore the king said to Shimea, You shall not die. And the king swore to him, there is a picture of salvation. When, when, when we were at that place, think about when you got saved. You knew that it was death or life. Right? Eternal death or eternal life. And you came and fell before the king. Somewhere, sometime, some corner, in your car, wherever it happened. And you begged for salvation. 
I did. Because you knew you had a clear picture of what you were. And apart from him was death. Same, same picture is right here. The same picture is right here. And, and that's the only way to life. The only way to life is for you to completely understand what you are apart from Jesus. I don't mean an intellectual understanding. I mean a true understanding that pierces the heart. And when you come to that place, when you come to that place, there's only one, one absolute thing that, that, that will quench your thirst. What is that? The saving power of Jesus. And it's not over there. It's just begun. It's just begun. But, but that's what he... And now look at David. Look at David here. David could have had him instantly killed because he trespassed against David. How many times should Jesus... Should God have thrown us out because we trespassed against Him? How many? I can't even. I can't even count. I can't. I can't even put it into numbers. And and when we honestly and humbly repent before Him, what happens? Same thing that happened here with David. Mercy, forgiveness. The Bible says our sins are as far as from the east is from the west. Can somebody tell me how far that is? Because I had never found it. They're forgotten. But it's hard for us to forget them, isn't it? Because... Uh, Satan, he loves to get in there and say, remember when you, you did, you did, you did, you did. I'm telling you, he does it to me all the time, and I have to say, get you away from me, Satan. For I'm covered by the blood of Christ. By the blood of Jesus on Calvary, those sins have been removed as far as the east is from the west. It's okay to speak to him like that. Flee ye from me, Satan. David is showing the, the same mercy on this young man or old man or whatever man he is that Jesus showed on us that we as children of God are supposed to show to others. Now that's where it comes in the thing. You say, well, so-and-so, he, he's done so much to me that it don't matter. What you done? How, how much have you transgressed against the Father? Well, only a few times. 
You better, you better sit down and reflect. You better sit down and reflect. Years prior, David probably couldn't have done this. Years prior, before he'd even thought, why he'd have cut his head off. He says, What's the point? I know who the king is. God has anointed me the king of Israel. You talk about no pride. He, he don't need to bow his chest out. Oh, how we like to bow our chest out. Don't we? We love to bow our chest out when, when something happens in our favor. Throw our old head back. Strut around. I know. I, it happens to me. God has to get me by the shirt. But you better watch it, boy. I'm telling you, I have to work on, on being humble every day. That's one of the things I have to work on every day. I have to, I have to preach to myself every day to be humble. That there's not one thing I have, that there's not one thing I've done that wasn't a blessing from God, even the bad thing. You know why they were blessings? Because he grew me through it. Verse, verse 24. Now Mephibosheth, the son of Saul, came down to meet the king. And he had not cared for his feet, nor trimmed his mustache, nor washed his clothes from the day that the king departed until the day that he returned in peace. He must have looked pretty rough. <laughs> so it was that when he had come to Jerusalem to meet the king, that the king said to him, Why did you not go with me, Mephibosheth? And he answered, My lord, O king, my servant deceived me. For your servant said, I will saddle a donkey for myself, that I may ride on it and go with the king, because your servant is lame. And he was slandered, and he has slandered your servant to my lord the king. But my Lord the King is like the angel of God. Therefore do what is good in your eyes. For all my father's house but, uh, were dead, but men before my Lord the King. For all my father's house were but dead, men before my Lord the King. Yet you set your servant among those who eat in your own, at your own table. Therefore what right have I still to cry out anything to the king? So the king said to him, why do you speak any more of your matters? I have said, you and Zeba divide the land. Then Mephibosheth said to the king, Rather let him take it all, inasmuch as my lord the king has come back in peace to his own house. Interesting, huh? Let's go back up to 23. No, let's go back to 27. Let's see. No, 26. And he answered, My Lord, O King, my servant deceived me. How many times have you and I been deceived? And, and honestly deceived. You didn't have any, any bad attitude in your heart that, that you knew 
you were you were making the right choice. I'm talking honestly deceived. It happens. Doesn't it? And he answered, O oh, my Lord, the king's servant, deceive me, for your servant said, I will saddle a donkey for myself that I may ride on it and go with the king because your servant is lame. And he has slandered your servant to my Lord, the king. But my Lord, the king, is like the angel of God. Therefore, do what is good into your eyes. He's saying, now he's saying here, he's saying, he deceived me. And now it makes me look bad to you. And he's saying, do whatever you think is right, and I will accept the consequences. Because I, may, I was deceived. I allowed myself to be deceived. So I deserve exactly what I got coming. Pretty pure motive, isn't it? Is that how we go to the throne of God after we've been deceived? Is that the attitude that we have when we go to the throne of God after we know we've, we've boo-booed because we've been deceived? Is that the attitude we have? Or do we go with a bunch of excuses? Of why we did it. There's a difference. Here he's accepting full responsibility for being allowed to be deceived. But when we go to the throne of God and, and, and ask for forgiveness with excuses, we're not accepting full responsibility. When we go in the right way, like Mephibosheth did here, we get true forgiveness and pardon. When we go with excuses and, and not accept responsibility for our, the error of our ways, there's a good chance we're not going get, to get it. There's a real good chance we're not going to get it right away. We're going we, we, to have to learn to take the ownership and the responsibility. Very important principle right here. Very important. Because God enlightens us. He grows us in our understanding. And in that we have responsibility to discern, spiritually discern things that are, that are taking place in our life so that we don't get deceived. I still get deceived. And I had to learn this one the hard way too. Because my natural instinct is to go to God and give Him all these excuses why that happened. I got bunches of them. Good ones. Believable ones. But when I, when I approach Him with excuses... That's not accepting responsibility. And when I don't accept responsibility, 
I can't be grown through it. Can't be, I can't be forgiven of it. Because I'm not accepting any, any wrong, right? When I don't accept responsibility for, for something that, I, that I've messed up on, how can I be forgiven of it? Because I I, I'm, not, I'm not owning it, am I? It, this is so very important. Verse 27, And he slandered the servant to my lord the king, but my lord the king is like the angel of God. Therefore do what is good in your eyes. He said, I, I will accept it. Is, is, is that the last thing when, you, when, you, when you're on, in the throne before God asking for repentance? Is that the last thing you say? Or is it Father, please don't make this painful. We, I'm telling you, we want to twist it to our benefit, don't we? We want the easy way out. For my, all my father's house were but dead, but dead men before my lord the king. Yet you set your servant among those who eat at your own table. He said, you, you brought me, you raised me up. You brought me out of nothing and put me at your own table. Isn't that what Jesus did to us when he saved us? Didn't he make a place at the table for me and you? Therefore, what right have I still to cry out anymore to the king? What right do you and I have to cry out to the king? That imputed righteousness from the time he saved us gives, gives us, maybe the right is not the right word, but gives us the ability to cry out. Because he's chosen us. He, he is sanctified. He has set us apart. And just like that child has, has the ability to cry out to his father, you and I have the ability to cry out to the king. Verse 29, so the king said to him, why do you speak any more of your, of, of your matters? I have said, you and Ziba divide the land. You realize, man, you can't, we, don't, we don't have the ability to sway God when it comes to his principles and, and his, his ways. His decisions are final. Me and you are the ones got to get in line. Me and you are the ones got to fall into place. We have the responsibility to, to come under Him, not Him come under us. Then Mephibosheth said in 30, said to the king, rather let him take it all and as much as, he's like, look, I have betrayed you. I have, I have sinned against you. You split the land between us. Let him have it all. I take that as Mephibosheth trying to, as a payment, you know, as a, what do you call it? When you, offering. But what's he say? Rather, let him take it all in as much as the Lord and King has come back to, in peace to his own house. 
you and I, our inheritance is final. Our inheritance in heaven, if, if we are, are truly a saved child of God, is final. Can't be removed. Now, we can make these mistakes along the way. And we can get these spankings along the way. And this rearing and this nurturing and this growth. But what's the Bible say? We are to count it as joy. Joy. Well, just knowing that my inheritance is final is, <laughs> is enough to count it joy. Because left unto myself, I'll screw it up and lose it. I don't know about you. Okay, let me go on. I know we, I'm, I'm holding y'all up, boy. I'm, I'm going. <laughs> y'all might get a two-hour sermon today. Yep, we're over. 31. And Barzillai and Gideon came down from Rogelium and went across the Jordan with the king to escort him across the Jordan. Now Barzillai was a very aged man, 80 years old, and he had provided the king with supplies while he stayed at Mahanaham, for he was a very rich man. And the king said to Barzillai, Come across with me, and I will provide for you while you are with me in Jerusalem. But Barzillai said to the king, How long have I to live that I should go up with the king to Jerusalem? I am today 80 years old. Can I discern between the good and the bad? Can your servant taste what I eat or what I drink? Can I hear any longer the voice of singing men and the singing, uh, singing women? Why then should your servant be a further burden to, the Lord my, to my Lord the king? Your servant will go a little way across the Jordan with the king. And why should the king repay me with such a reward? Please let your servant return back again that I may die in my own city near the grave of my father and mother. But here is your servant uh, Chinham. Let him cross over with my lord the king and do for him what seems good to you. And the king answered, Jeniham shall cross over with me, and I will do for him what seems good to you. Key word, not good to me, what seems good to you. Now whatever you request of me, I will do for you. Then all the people went over the Jordan, and when the king had crossed over, the king kissed Berzelia and blessed him, and he returned to his own place. Now the king went on to Gilgal, and Chinnaham went, went on with him. And all the people of Judah escorted the king, and also half the people of Israel. Just then all the men of Israel came to the king and said to the king, Why have our brethren, the men of Judah, stolen you away and brought the king, his household, and all of David's men with him across the Jordan? So all the men of Judah answered the men of Israel, Because the king is a close relative of, here we go. He's my kinfolk, right? Y'all know this one. Because the king is the close relative of ours, why then are you angry over this matter? Have we ever eaten at the king's expense or have given us any gift? And the men of Israel answered the men of Judah and said, We have ten shares in the king. Therefore, we also have more right to David than you. Why then do you despise us? We were not the first to advise bringing back our king, yet the words of the men of Judah were fiercer than the words of the men of Israel. Oh, my goodness. Why do I have 
any more right to the king than you do. Because he's kin to me. Bless their hearts. All of this is unfolding in front of these people's eyes. Does that give you a picture of their spiritual condition? Focused on the wrong things. Focused on the wrong things. But you and I get focused on the wrong things. We get caught up in this and that. And none of it really matters. Not one iota of it really matters. What really matters is God. What really matters is, are we right with God? Are we living responsible to what God is doing in our life? Are we being responsible to what He's shown us? Are we constantly looking at the attitudes and, and precepts of what, what He's placed out there and, and, and enabled us to grasp a hold of as truths in our life, and are we living according to them? That's what matters. If we're doing those things, we can't help but grow. We can't help but our attitudes sway and turn more like Jesus' attitudes. We can't help but be softened. We can't help but be changed. I don't know about you, but that's what I want, is to be changed. Be changed and to be ready for when the king is coming. For when the trumpet sounds. That I'm where I'm supposed to be. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Heavenly Father we come to you this morning so grateful. That we can gather together again as a family. And we've got our family members back together with us. Lord we lift up each and every one of them Lord. Some are still battling illness. We ask that you would just bless them. Bless each and every one represented here this morning. Lord, pour out the blood of Jesus over this church. Whether they're here this morning or, or watching from afar, Lord, you know every need and can meet every need. We just ask that you do that. I just ask for your protection, your mercy, and your grace. These things I ask in Jesus' name. Amen.